Welcome to episode 45 of 1530. Today we're going to talk about the Australian Open, specifically the final, and the triumph of Rafael Nadal. It was an amazing five-set match. Medvedev, arguably one of the best hardcore players right now on tour, the number two player in the world, is facing Nadal in the final of the Australian Open. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your host, Ben and Matt. Good everywhere, but especially on hard courts and in the long rallies. And Medvedev, let's let's keep in mind, he's a whole decade younger than Nadal. He's 25 years old. Nadal's 35 years old. And Nadal lost the long rallies. That's that was absolutely baffling to me. So that's that's kind of our shout of the day. I think it kind of sets up the whole discussion. But I know all the pundits that were talking about, hey, you know, they weren't necessarily downplaying Nadal's chances, but they were saying if Nadal's gonna win this match against Medvedev who is almost unbeatable, has no weaknesses, especially on the hard courts. He's going to have to shorten the points, really dictate with his forehand. Nadal's going to have to serve really well. If he can do those two things, maybe he wins. But they were definitely counting on Nadal winning the short rallies and not the long rallies. And kind of was the opposite here. We'll talk about the match. It was definitely an up-and-down match, right? The first two sets were very different than the last few in the numbers. But point being, overall... The whole match, Nadal was able to take control of those longer rallies and really outlast Medvedev, which is kind of surprising. I don't know, Matt, as a Nadal fan, what are your what are your thoughts on this match? Yeah, no, that's a, it's really interesting, um, especially I feel like um, a lot of the conversation whenever I'm watching Medvedev play, commentators are always talking about his fitness. He looks like a kind of a lanky guy, but they're always talking about how he's um, – He's got really good endurance um, and he's young, obviously that has a huge impact. And so, yeah, I'm just as surprised as you to see that Rafa was able to capitalize on those long rallies and those out. I mean, those rallies were all just insane. I, I'm sure you saw the highlights. There were a lot of those long points and they were all really, really intense. It was some super high quality tennis, fantastic win for Rafa to get his 21st slam title two career grand slams it's a wonderful thing it's a wonderful thing it, it's interesting yeah we could talk about that later if you want to do you want to get into the box to the stats a little bit yeah but just also yeah like you're mentioning kind of the magnitude of this event right like you're saying he's the doll had been here before right he's mm-hmm. been in multiple australian open finals right. he's only won one of them up until now he's won two but his other win was in 2009 over fetter and a five setter but the other, some of the other times he's had chances were 2012. It was a five-setter against Novak, one of the longest finals, I mm-hmm. think, in history. Yeah. And he's he got two of the longest, right? Now that against Djokovic and then this one against Medvedev, I, I think. think I think so. I think longest. this one was a bit longer. Or the mm-hmm. one in 2012 was a bit longer. But you're right. They're both very long, almost six hours. And that match, he was up a, he was up a break against Djokovic in the fifth set. Djokovic fought back and won the match. If you remember, Federer kind of had his comeback year in 2017 and did really well. But he was actually down a break in the fifth against, against Nadal. 
he came back to win that set 6-3, so maybe people forget about that. But that was Nadal was in the driver's seat in that final, and he just yeah, up to that point had never been able to win, you know, the Australian Open a second time, complete a second career slam. And so Djokovic was kind of you know standing alone on that. And so I think that was kind of a dig against Nadal for his resumes. Not mm-hmm. able to win, you know, the two career slams, but also not as many hardcore slam victories, right? right. 13 Roland Garros is out of his 20. But now, right, he goes to 21, kind of stands alone, breaks the tie with Federer and Djokovic, which is amazing. And then kind of a dig at Djokovic too, right? This is his this is his turf. This is where Djokovic has won like 10 titles or something. So I think it's a big deal too that, you know, able to do it where Djokovic not only would have been a favorite, you know, no matter who's in the final, but, you know, able to kind of sure. steal a slam from him where – off of his turf. So kind of interesting, right? Uh, Djokovic stole from Roland Garros from Nadal last year. This year, Djokovic uh, gets the Australian Open stolen by Nadal. Kind of a kind of a weird back and forth. I'm sure this won't be the end of our discussion, but cool to yeah. see him triumph um, and beat, and the, you know, not a no-name person. He beat one of the best hardcore players, right? So there's really right, no, right. no denying him that. That's amazing. Although it does beg the question. I mean, it will always be there. If Joke had been in this tournament, you know, Rafa would have matched up with him, what, in the semis? This, yeah. you know, this final could have been a whole, a completely different, yeah. completely different matchup. You know, if Rafa were down two sets to love against Joke in the semis, you know, I don't, I don't think he's making the comeback that he, he did against Daniel. Yeah. But and um, I do want to say, I did, I did say on this last episode how good Nadal looked in the warm up tournament. Yeah, really looks like true. he was feeling his forehand and his movement. I did see him making the final, but I'm not going to lie. I definitely had Medvedev penciled in to win this one. Yeah. Um, or Zverev, just whoever kind of came out on that. Um, I guess it wouldn't have been Zverev, but it would have been Pass. CC, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, Nadal definitely proved me wrong. Medvedev was pretty close there to, you know, being two sets to love up, pretty close to taking him out. And we'll, we'll get into those numbers, but. You ultimately got to get it done. And I think we saw that with Tsitsipas against uh, Djokovic this last year in the final where he was up, Tsitsipas was up two sets to love playing really well on the clay. And Djokovic was even saying like, yeah, I kind of thought I was out of the match, but I think I thought like one point at a time, get back into this, try to find a way. And he found a way and kind of flipped the match on Tsitsipas. And that was like a tale of two matches as well where Tsitsipas didn't really even have a chance in the last couple sets. And Nadal kind of did the same thing to Medvedev. Medvedev, we'll talk about, he had a chance on the third set to go up. I think he was, what, love 40 up on one of Nadal's service games. But once Nadal shut that one down, there weren't too many chances for Medvedev. Maybe to some to break back, but not really be in the driver's seat and to take one of those sets. So, yeah, again, kind of huge. These these legends, they're not they're not going away without a fight, and they, they want to rack up as many slams as they can. That's That's the reality. Yep. And I mean, obviously it's not a quantifiable step, but the mental toughness, and we talk about this every, every tournament, every time we, we meet, but the, the mental toughness, the big three are on a completely different level. I mean, I, I can't imagine having set point in the second set, losing it, losing the set, being down love to 35 years old. You got a 25 year old smelling blood in the water, just coming off of a U.S. Open first title. And you come back and take three sets and you're, you, you know, you're, yeah, like you mentioned, you're down love 40 in the third. 
love 40. And you take that set, that game and that set. I mean, that is, it's incredible, you know, and it's, it's not unique to Rafa, but it is, I would say unique to the, to Rafa fed and, and Djokovic, those three just have a way to push through and, and keep going. It's insane. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And, you know, if you think about last year with Nadal losing Roland Garros, he had his really bad, I believe it was a foot injury. Mm-hmm. It was one of Nadal's first years. He didn't compete kind of after um, he didn't even compete in the U.S. Open or onward. Yeah. And Nadal had been talked about, I can't remember if it was just before the match or kind of after, but he said, I thought about retiring from tennis, basically. Didn't yeah, know he had conversations with Fed about if they were yep. ever going to play again. If he was ever going to play again. He had COVID pretty bad, actually, too. Mm-hmm. Didn't really, uh, his body wasn't holding up. He's like, I don't know about this, you know, coming to Australia. Really didn't know if he was going to play again. And then he, he, you know, flips the script, you know, starts off with really good movement, looks pretty good, has a pretty good draw. And he, you know, not only makes the final, but he wins it and a big comeback. So I think that's a huge testament to him and who is, you know, hard work and work ethic and getting back to where he needs to be to compete for titles. And I know we saw Federer do the same thing in 2017 when he came back from injury, wins his first slam back. I mean, that's just insane. And um, looking also at the zero to four shots and the five to eight shots, so kind of the shorter rallies, both of those were won by Medvedev in the match overall. And kind of overwhelming on the before shot rallies, it was 100 points won by Medvedev to 90 by Nadal. So I would have thought Nadal, like we said, would have had a better chance to win if he shortened the points and won those quick points with his forehand especially. But I guess that wasn't a difference maker in the end. Medvedev was actually pretty good on some of those short short rallies coming up with some quick winners. Um, it's kind of a puzzling match, honestly. But like I said, we're going to dive into the box score and really really go into it. It wasn't, wasn't the cleanest match from you know, I guess overall perspective, you know, there's a decent amount of, of errors, but I, like you said, there's some long rallies. There were some good, really good points that played out. Um, you're looking at 68 on force for Nadal and 69 winners. So he did was positive on the differential. See, um, Medvedev was better. He had 76 winners to 52 unforced, but you know, Guess over five sets, that's not horrible, but there were sometimes where it was like puzzling shot, you know, mm-hmm. shot selection or um, some of those unforced. But over five sets, when you're tired and you're playing these long rallies, I guess you're going to have some of those. But there was also some high quality points as well. So I think they both guys kind of ebbed and flowed with their with their quality. Medvedev served awesomely. He had 23 aces, only had five double faults, and he had a pretty high first serve percentage, 69%. Got a lot of them in um, and won a lot of his first serve points, 71%. That's a pretty solid number. But it was really the second serve that's let him down. He only won 41% of those second serve points. And I think you can directly tie that to those long rallies. Nadal was able to get into his second serve for Medvedev, make him some long rallies, and he was able to win a lot of those points. And I think, you know, ultimately looking at the box score really quickly, that's the difference maker because really Medvedev kind of outperformed Nadal in most other most other categories. Uh, he even won seven more points total for the match, 189 points to 182 points. So again, one of those, you know, tragedies where the person that uh, loses wins more points overall, but that's what happens, right? If if you win a, a lopsided first set, which Medvedev did, and then after that, the sets were closer, but Nadal took most of them. That's kind of what happens, right? 
you kind of run up the score early and then later um, you're left losing, even though you had more points. So just kind of how the day worked out for Medvedev just couldn't quite get over the finish line. And you mentioned the love 40 game. That's, that's a huge thing. That's probably in his mind. He could have wrapped this up in straights and that would have been a, we'd be talking different story right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I would be interested to go back and <clears throat> watch this match again, <clears throat> excuse me, and count how many times Rafa ended a point with a drop shot. Um, and I, I think that um, maybe part of the reason that he won so many of those long rallies is he he kept his balls deep. I mean, Rafa's got that spin. It's real. It's easy to, to keep your opponents deep uh, when you're Rafa at all, but he pushed him back behind the line and then, he was he was dropping Medvedev frequently, and they were effective. Medvedev was would struggle to get there, and when he did, I mean, he could do not much more than just put it back on the other, you know, over the net, make it easy for Rafa to put it away. Um, but that was an interesting strategy. I, you know, you watch some of these players really love the the drop shot. I know Feds used it a lot, especially in in Wimbledon. I, I've never really seen that shot from Rafa. But he he employed it um, more than yeah, I don't know. I guess that's you know maybe maybe he uses it more than I realize. But I feel like he was relying on that shot more than more than usual, part of his game plan or something. But hmm, that's a good point. Think about that. Yeah, it shows that here in the stats over the whole match, he had four winners on the drop shot. Uh, but obviously, just because it's not a winner, you know, Medvedev gets there, hits it into the net. Right. That one's not shown as much, but still that's more, like you said, than I'm used to seeing from Rafa. Um, interesting. I think even looks like three came from the forehand side or four came from the forehand side. Let's see in the backhand. Zero winners came from the backhand side. So yeah, you usually think of the drop shot more slicing the backhand, getting the drop right. shot, but yeah, he's doing some forehand ones too. So kind of interesting. Oh yeah, one thing to note as well. So had Medvedev won this match, this would have been a big deal because no, I, I guess just for, for men's side of things, no one has ever won their first two consecutive majors. So I kind of probably said that wrong, but once you win your first major, no one's followed up with the next major in a row winning it, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, I guess Federer and some of these guys, when they were first coming up through the game, you think, oh yeah, Federer won a ton of slams in a row. And he did. He was pretty dominant in a few short years, but his first slam Obviously, didn't win the next one right after. So that would have made history. And I think Medvedev is, especially hardcourt-wise, definitely one of the better players around. Just for some reason, Nadal is kind of a tough out for him. Just want to remind the listeners that Nadal won a five-set final. It was Medvedev's maiden slam final. Um, Medvedev lost in five sets to Nadal in, in the U.S. Open 2019. But that match was weird because Nadal went up two sets to love. Medvedev had to claw back. He kind of used some serve volley, kind of changed his tactics, but still lost a tight fifth set. So I don't know what is, is about these two guys, but their their game, they kind of bring out the best in each other and some long rallies, and Nadal's been getting the better, better of him. There was one match that was a um, an anomaly, though, where Medvedev won it. It was not a slam match, but it was in the ATP Finals, I think it was a year ago, where... Medvedev was down a break in the in the third set and he came back to win it and beat Nadal and, and make the final and then he won his first um, ATP finals tournament so 
Yeah, like I said, the the mind games here are just the way that their games match up. I think it kind of does benefit Nadal in a lot of ways, but um, still crazy, man. Still super crazy. It's crazy. It, it begs the question moving forward. You know, I know that the French Open has already come out and said, hey, we've got in France similar restrictions to Australia. Joke's already, you know, questionable for that tournament. Wimbledon's kind of just taken a step back and said, you know, whatever happens, happens. As we get closer, we'll figure it out. And I don't think that England's entrance requirements are as strict. I could be totally wrong on that. Um, so maybe he'll be able to play Wimbledon. But if he's not, I mean, who's going who's gonna to compete against Rafa at Wimbledon? You know, there are no yeah. real grass court players that are super strong. You had some, you know, obvious competition last year in the French that Nadal faced. Obviously, he didn't make it, but um, could be interesting. It could be an interesting uh, year of slams. Yeah, or even just people mentioned the psyche for Djokovic. You know, right? Not being able to go to Australia, starting off his season the way he did, being deported, yep. kind of traumatic. You know, you never know mentally what it's going to do, or it could do the the converse right he could make him hungrier mm -hmm. and you know if he shows up to wimbledon obviously he's the favorite uh right. french got to give it to nadal of course being a favorite but yeah kind of interesting right these other guys yeah. cc pass is good on the clay and the grass um, that's true that's true zvera's been playing better on all these surfaces so you never know but it's looking pretty good for you know if you're a nadal or djokovic fan they have assuming like you're saying they can get in you know Djokovic can get into these tournaments without the vaccine. There's some, uh, there's some good tennis that they can, you know, titles that they can steal here. So it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know if we should just go back to the box score. There's probably still more to cover, but um, both guys went to net a decent amount. I felt like Nadal was pretty successful. I surprised he, he only won 60% of net points. I felt like when I watched him, it looked like he was a little more successful than that, but yeah, agreed. Uh, 30 of 50, and uh, Medvedev was 28 of 50, so 56%. He went to net more than I would have thought to, but we kind of knew in the back of our minds he wanted to shorten points against Nadal, and he did that at the US Open. He found that to be a winning strategy. So he went to net a lot more than I think he normally would have. And uh, Medvedev, he won 38% of receiving points, so that's a pretty decent number, and it's better than Nadal's 36%. Um Kind of interesting there. I mentioned the 23 aces that he had. Uh, if you look here, so you know how we talk about the serve factor, which is combining your first serve points one, second points one, and then subtracting it from your opponents. Kind of get kind of a ratio. And the overall box score shows that Medvedev is up on that serve factor by 1.5, which is pretty small. That's showing it's a tight five setter. Anything less than 10, difference of 10. But if you break it out set by set, it was really interesting. So based on the first set numbers, Medvedev was up plus 37. So anything greater than 30, we've kind of determined that's a decisive three-setter. You're done. You know, Nadal was getting crushed in that first set, right? Uh, Medvedev was winning 83% of first serve points. Nadal was only winning 57. They both only won 25% of second points won, but... Medvedev served at such a high percentage, 82% first serve percentage. So he served as like as well as he could have. 
Nadal did the opposite. He mm-hmm. did not win like any points on his serve pretty much uh, where you would expect him to. So that really wasn't close. And that's kind of the feeling that I got as I was kind of watching it is that yeah. if Medvedev continues to play at this level, this will be a quick three-setter reminiscent of I think the last time Nadal faced Djokovic in the Australian Open final. He had great form going into it, but then he just got crushed. It was like 6-2, 6-1 or, you know, some very lopsided scores. And, you know, Medvedev got this one done 6-2. Second set, though, things got a little tricky, right? Medvedev got broken. He was down a break. Nadal looked like he was going to serve for it. He had at least one or two set points, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. And Medvedev forced a tiebreaker. And Medvedev won the tiebreakers in dramatic fashion, some amazing points. And it kind of made Nadal fans wonder, like, huh, man, this guy hasn't won a tiebreak in a long time. There was some stat out there because he's lost a couple tiebreaks against Dominic Team in the Australian Open. Uh, I think it was last year or the year before. Um, lost some to Tsitsipas last year in the Australian Open. I guess at least against top 10 players. I don't know if he's won a tiebreak in a slam in a long time. Yeah, so he did He did take uh, take one from Menorino in this, in this tournament, okay. right? that 14 to 12 tie break. True. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking at top 10, top 10. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Not top 10. Yeah. So just for some, I'm not on, I don't really know why, why he's not taking the tie breaks. If that's a mental thing or if players just know this is your chance to get Nadal. You have to friggin' take the tiebreaker hmm. and serve really well. But yeah, that's some, yeah. some stats someone brought up is top 10. I don't think he's won a tie break in a while. Yeah. Um, Even, I think he had a mini breakup, at, uh, and this he was Smeddy. Yeah, he absolutely was. Yeah, uh, Medvedev had some crazy points to get back into that, though. It was yeah. uh, that was a fun tiebreak to watch. So then, but then if you look at the serve factor at the end of serve uh, set two, it shows Medvedev by four plus four. So again, showing a tight five setter. So you go from the end of the first set, oh, it's going to be a three setter, not even close. After the second set, he goes, oh, it's going to be pretty tight. Like maybe Nadal will win a couple sets. But as a Medvedev fan, you had to be thinking there. I'm up two sets to love. This is, you know, just need to get one more. But then from there on out, after that break point, those three break points, Medvedev couldn't convert. It was it was Nadal, you know. So the end of the third set, which Nadal was able to to wrangle back, it showed Nadal plus 30. So that showed Nadal on three sets. I don't know if that's a, you know, kind of prophetic there because Nadal did win the next, you know, next couple sets. But Really, really weird. Set four tightened up again. Um, it showed Nadal plus five, so it's showing a five-setter if you can keep going through more sets, right? So it's looking at, at set four. And then set five was Nadal plus five as well. So Nadal won the set four and five are really tight, and Nadal was able to win those. Set three was not very tight, and, and Nadal was able to steal it. But set one was a beatdown in terms of Medvedev. Set two was very tight Medvedev. So kind of weird to see the pendulum kind of swing. Goes from Medvedev's going to win this by a ton to uh, it's going to be tight to Nadal's going to win it by a ton. So I really was a roller coaster of a match. You really kind of got to break down the numbers as you went set by set to kind of see them. And Medvedev's level, second serve points one, just was never really where he needed it to be. You know, you're not going to beat Nadal by uh, only winning 40, 40% of your second serve points won. Yeah. Which is not going to get it done. No doubt about it. Um, something else there. Let's see. 
check it out. There are there are a lot of other matches, um, which we're not really covering the stats right now, but I was impressed with um, Felix Azur Aliasim and his run. Uh, Shapovalov also pushed Nadal to five sets and went pretty far. Uh, Pass again was was incredible, and he was able to you know he's. He keeps falling up short to Medvedev on the hard court. He can't really figure him out. Um, I think he's beaten him on some of these other surfaces like clay, but um, still fun to watch him. And he gets a lot of support from the Australian crowd. So, you know, there's other guys that are trying to come through. Um, and I don't know, Matt, did you, did you get to see any, any of Cressy, the American, who's a big every point, at least on he his serve. What? He serves and volleys every point on his serve. Is that right? He's got a massive serve, and he literally every you know he's going to that every single time. And he he forced he uh and he his goal was like I'm going to win the tournament. I'm not just going to go far. I'm going to win the tournament. And he pushed Medvedev to four sets, and he made Medvedev pretty uncomfortable. Um, oh, that's interesting. Actually, yeah. did a pretty good job. Yeah, pretty fun to watch actually. Um, seeing some of those rallies. So there's some other guys I'm interested to see how they do throughout the year and kind of cover their numbers. In future episodes, but yeah, the Cressy guy. I think we should be talking about his serve and volley. He's saying it's not dead, and that's he can win it serve <laughs> volley. So well, maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll show out in in the UK. Yeah, pretty fun. Yeah, the graphs would be a great place to do it. But yeah, again, amazing triumph by Nadal. Great mental toughness and and winning in five two sets to love down. I'm still still shocked by this final. Honestly, it was. It was high quality. Medvedev, you know, obviously he was pretty shook up. I think at the end was very congratulatory to Rafa, but he, I think was disappointed in himself and was saying he needs to do better. needs to find a way to play some better tennis. So, cause his game, his game clearly dipped. And again, I don't know why, if it was more mental or if he started running out of gas, but, uh, point is, I think he will see if this is inspiring him to, to go to greater heights or if or if this is going to frustrate him remains to be seen i guess there yep yep i'm but sure he'll that's... add it to his toolbox and yep yeah and we should do we should probably still do like a top 10 things we learned from australia but i think we kind of wanted to dedicate this episode to the final because it was so so exhilarating and is a big deal for the for the overall count in slams for the men's game, it's a big deal. 21 slams, Nadal stands alone. And he did it at a slam. We didn't think that he would win and maybe ever win again. Um, yeah. So pretty amazing. Anything else, Matt, that you have? That's match? it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we got. So as always, please uh, please check us out at CognitionSphere.com and share, share our podcast with a friend that uh, that enjoys tennis. And until next time, we'll see you on the court.